Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. So in this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with my colleague, Jim Collins. Jim is one of the career advisors who support our executive format students, and he is also a repeat guest on the Exec MBA Podcast. Jim has previously shared networking tactics, as well as advice for those students seeking to climb within their organization, and he and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about the career transition process for our military veterans. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jim Collins. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, great. Uh, Great to be here. Thanks very much, Brett. Uh, Looking forward to this. And once again, always good to spend time with you talking with you about uh, career services and the executive MBA program. Yeah, repeat visitor here on the podcast. This is uh, now maybe your third or so episode. Yes, you keep having me back. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So thought based upon a lot of the conversations we have with prospective students, uh, we talked to a fair number of students who are coming from a military service background, um, looking at an MBA to potentially help with their transition process, and thought it would be helpful for some of those folks to hear a little bit more about what that process looks like, the support that we have here at Darden uh, for students who are coming from a military service background and their, and their career needs, and just any advice you would have. So um, let's talk sort of at a high level. Um, about about the process for veterans who are seeking to make a transition, those who come to the program are active duty but know they'll be separating. You know, what does that process look like in well, terms of finding that next thing? First, we're very excited about uh, those individuals looking to transition from the military to the private sector. Uh, you know, fully 25 percent, maybe 30 percent of the uh, executive MBA students that come to Darden are trying to engineer that transition uh, and uh, have a military and or are active veterans, active duty or veterans. Um, so for most that are seeking to transition from the military to the private sector, the challenge is really twofold. First is determining how their skills and interests and experience translate to roles in business. And secondly, it's finding the industries and companies with which they'd like to work. So for them, um, I'm thinking that the process usually unfolds over several phases. The first phase is typically one of trying to conduct some sort of self-assessment or career assessment to better define the functions and industries uh, in which uh, the student is perhaps best aligned. So there's an infinite number of career possibilities and uh, uh, a huge number of industries and functions that one might perform. And those kind of assessments tend to uh, reduce that universe of options, if you will, to a, a far more manageable subset. They, they, they point you in the right direction uh, for the, the kinds of functions and the types of industries with which you might be best aligned. Um, and then, and then following that, uh, to, to, to begin some form of high-level exploration of those functions and industries, uh, perhaps talking with uh, network contacts and whatever about what uh, you know a, a day in the life is for a uh, you know a financial analyst or a program manager or what have you, um, and and what it's like to work in uh, the financial services sector versus consulting versus manufacturing versus distribution versus retail and, and what have you. Uh, so that's f- frequently the first phase. The second phase. Uh, 
begins to emerge once one starts to have some um, clarity about the functions and roles and the industries with which they want to be associated. So it's, it begins a, a, a more focused exploration, if you will, where you're drilling down into those industries and or drilling down into those functions and talking with people that uh, are really actively involved in them to better understand not only what the roles look like or what the industry looks like, but how does one engineer a transition into those? You know, what are the stepping stones and the, the doorways of entry, if you will? How realistic is that transition? And if one were to make it, what, uh, what are the processes that one would go through to make that happen? And then finally, the, the, I guess the upshot of that second phase is really to have more thoroughly mapped what that transition path looks like which tees you up, if you will, for the third phase in which you are um, beginning a, a focused and very active job search, looking for a, that great opportunity in that functional area or that industry that, uh, that you've decided is the direction in which you want to head. So is that uh, process at all similar, different than you know, what our non-veteran students experience when they are, they are searching for the next thing in their career? Oh, well, that's a great question, Brett, you know. I would say that for those individuals or for those non-veteran students that want to make a break from their current career path and head in a substantially new direction, the challenges in the process are very much the same. But for most, however, uh, they're typically building on their experience uh, in a given function or a given industry and they tend to be making more of an incremental shift versus a qualitative one that you would see uh, uh, the typical um, active duty individual making who's trying to transition to the yeah. private sector. So you know, I, I don't want to minimize it. For those, for those people, there's, it's certainly not without their transition challenges. But um, the challenges are, are perhaps less complex. So um, one of the things that, are, that we often think about from an admission standpoint is we're talking to people, you know, maybe a year or two or a few, at least a few months before they, they are going to start the program. Right. And there's a tendency to say, oh, well, I'll figure all of this out once I start. And so what we're always interested in is, right. is what uh, students can do before they start to grease the wheels so that the learning curve is diminished a little bit. Um, you're reality testing both the idea of an MBA and what you might like to do with an MBA simultaneously. Um, so what's your advice for, um, sure. for, for veterans? Well, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, you know, of course, each, each individual is different. Mm -hmm. You know, some, some folks yeah. – uh, you know, I'm just going to go join the family business or I have so many contacts in this industry or this functional area. Um, I've, I, 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 as I approach my departure date, uh, I've already got a handful of, uh, of offers or options. Uh, but for, for a larger number, I think the biggest hurdle is simply find the time to work on one's career objectives while going through the program. Now, they may have come to Darden with the primary objective of engineering that transformation in their career, once again, going from the military to the private sector. Uh, but the, uh, the hurdle they run into is that uh, the more immediate demands that they face drive out a lot of activity and, and ability to work on that agenda. So they've got their job. They've got their family. The, uh, the executive MBA program is certainly very demand demanding. So what we recommend is a, a couple of things. First of all, start early. Anticipate that it's going to take you longer than what you think. <laughs> uh, the second thing is, is I've outlined what, what I, I believe to be a, a pretty substantial, a pretty sizable uh, transition. And 
uh, I think the, the old analogy of how do you eat an elephant? Well, you do it a bite at a time. So you keep chipping away at it over the course of your time here. And, and we do encourage people to, to start early. Um, uh, the second uh, tip, I think, is, is to certainly use the networks that you have. Um, you, most will have fairly extensive military networks. You certainly want to take advantage of them. Uh, the, the contacts that you have that may be in, in different uh, industries or, or functions of interest. But there are also a number of military transition organizations like uh, MOA, Military Officers Association of America. There's uh, job fairs. Uh, MBA Veterans, for example, is an organization that, uh, that uh, does a lot of that. But of course, uh, Darden has extensive networks uh, and uh, much of what uh, Career Services does is put the uh, students in touch with those networks for both the exploration process in phase one and phase two that I just outlined. But uh, we also uh, use the networks for the active job search in phase phase three. Um, in addition, Darden has its own military association. So there's a core of veterans, 80 of which have volunteered to serve as network partners for the incoming executive MBA students. So there's, there's a, a lot of resources that are available. Yeah, the thing I always think about is the informational networking, right? Um, that just takes so much time and to really do it well and to get out there and one conversation leads to the next. You're buying lots of cup, cups of coffee or meeting people <laughs> yes, and yeah, uh, right, right. it's just hard to find that kind of time when you're in the program. As you know, you're, you're juggling a lot of things yes, simultaneously. Yeah. It certainly can be done. I think the thing we stress with students from a time management standpoint, it, you know, when you think about – in managing a career search, it's functionally like having another class in that quarter, maybe maybe even more demanding depending on where you are right. in the right. process. And so we always encourage people to think about doing the informational stuff before you start if you can. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, once you've committed – to Darden, you know, and you've you've signed on the dotted line. We uh, in the career services uh, are very enthusiastic about having you reach out to us uh, for a number of things. Number one is we can conduct uh, that assessment that I referred to uh, uh, well before matriculation, uh, and and secondly, uh, every year we work with a number of students who uh, you know three six sometimes nine months prior to the start of the, of the Darden program, helping them connect with uh, relevant um, uh, Darden alumni uh, uh, connections that uh, they can explore those functions, talk about the industries, uh, and, uh, and try to size up and, and maybe begin mapping what that transition might look like. So we uh, are very enthusiastic about uh, starting early mm -hmm. uh, because, as I mentioned, uh, uh, before that uh, finding time to work on an agenda, mm -hmm. a career agenda, once you're in the program is a challenge. Uh, you do have to chip away at it, mm -hmm. but the, the sooner you can start, I think, the better. And you have such a unique standing as an incoming Darden student, right? This idea of and alumni are really excited to talk to you. I mean, not to say they're not when you're a current student, but when you're right there on the verge of getting started at Darden, there are just a lot of people who want to talk to you about their experience and the doors are open in, in a way. Um, that can be really advantageous if you're looking to learn more about uh, people's career and industry. And so we always encourage people to take advantage of that opportunity. Well, I, I have to tell you, uh, I've been at Darden about three and a half years now. And one of the heartwarming things about it, the thing that I find to be very exciting is how engaged the network mm -hmm. is. Um, 
uh, it's amazing to me the willingness of the alumni uh, to to spend a great deal of time with individual students, helping them answer questions about any kind of career-related things or assisting them with their job search and referring them relevant to relevant people that uh, might be able to you know, offer additional assistance. Yeah, and we, we talk about you know, network-driven search, particularly for our executive format students, many of whom are looking for more experienced hire channels. But veterans are sort of a, in, in a unique situation um, in some ways, right? Um, they may uh, be able to find you know, something through more of an experienced hire channel. Um, there may be some opportunities uh, through some of the career fairs you mentioned, potentially on grounds recruiting, depending on where they are in their career. You want to talk a little bit more about these mechanisms? Uh, oh, certainly. Well, Darden has a very active uh, recruiting function here. Uh, and I think the exe- the uh, the uh, the military, the students coming from a military background have an awful lot to offer in terms of not just the leadership experience but uh, um, which which is thrust on them very quickly in the military, uh, much more so I think than uh, you frequently get in the private sector as you're trying to climb the ladder. Um, as I mentioned, we have a very a very active uh, recruiting function here. Uh, every year, we bring at least seven hundred or more opportunities coming from approximately three hundred companies searching for executive MBA talents. And the uh, in my experience, the 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 uh, military uh, students with a military background uh, have a have a, a a great competitive advantage there. Uh, they're they're very actively looked at because of that prior leadership experience that they bring. And you have – I know we've had students come to the program who were already in sort of veteran transition programs at some of these companies or were hired through a, yes, a, yes. a military channel. I think of some of our students from um, JP, uh, Chase Bank. JP, um, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs have, have very active – Johnson & Johnson has a, has a good transition program. There, there's a number of them out there. Yeah. So um, is that something that students could research, you know, to sort of understand that landscape, you know, you know, do some of that research before they start start the program. Oh, very much so. I, you know, once again, I think it's important to first start with um, what are the kind of roles and the industries mm-hmm. you want to be a part of, mm-hmm. and then begin to drill down into those industry sectors mm-hmm. that and the companies that offer those kind of transition programs. And we can certainly help put you in touch with some of them. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I realize this is going to be a little bit of a difficult question to answer, but I, we get a lot of questions from prospective students, our, our military servicemen and women included, about timeline for the job search and how long it can take. You noted that it probably is going to take longer than you expect. Um, <laughs> so how do you how do you see students sort of? They got twenty one months while they're in the program. Sure. Um, what kind of timelines do you see? What kind of timeline might you advise someone who's seeking to make a transition to to potentially pursue? Right. Well, you know, the uh, of course, it all depends on when your transition date is. Mm-hmm. Most want to transition sometime shortly after the after graduation, and you know, for those individuals, um, once again, if you are if you are trying to engineer a major transition, um, uh, you don't have uh, a, pr- a ready opportunity to move towards. Uh, it, it is it is good to assume that it's going to take longer rather than shorter. And we, we think of this in terms of an 18 months to sometimes two-year process where if you're really taking your time to sort through all the different options that you have, mm-hmm. explore all the different kind of functions and, and, and companies and industries uh, and really do a thorough job of that, um, 
while you're also going through the program, while you're managing your your, your job, while you are, uh, uh, you know, being a good father and a husband <laughs> or wife, um, mother, um, then um, we we recommend that you give yourself time. Starting before the program is is really a a, a very solid idea. You'll have more free time, um, you know, prior to matriculation than you will once. Uh, once the program itself starts. Mm -hmm. So if you can get a good running start at it, um, we think it will only be to your advantage. Mm -hmm. So um, philosophically, you know, how do you and Sarita and Kellogg and the career development team who work with our executive format students or uh, the career development center team generally think about supporting students here? Oh, well, we do so really through, I think, three primary vehicles, if you will. Uh, certainly, we have a boatload of career education programs. Um, everything really associated with the the uh, career transition process from defining your gifts and talents and strengths to thinking about how to package that in a professional brand or identity, putting together the communication vehicles one needs to take themselves to market. You know, certainly resumes and LinkedIn profiles, but also key messages and key messaging platforms and, and things of that nature. In addition, there's also, you know, education programs on, uh, on the job search process, uh, networking, interviewing skills, and uh, negotiating job offers, and and all the tactical considerations, if you will, uh, connected with job search. Um, the the second pillar, I think, uh, is uh, one of uh, uh, um, we would call just career advising. So we work very closely with individuals. Uh, and we have a network of people. It's not just the three of us serving. We're, we tend to be more generalists, but we have a network of career advising specialists, uh, three or four of those, uh, depending upon the direction in which you want to head in technology or financial services or consulting, um, entrepreneurship. There's resources for that as well. Uh, and I think the third, uh, the third uh, pillar of our, of our services, if you will, is just connecting people in the networks. Um, so we are not the only source of referrals, but we're a very strong source. We have uh, all sorts of networks out there, not just among the alumni, but also our own, our own personal, you know, professional networks that we are happy to introduce people to. And you uh, want to go back to something you had mentioned previously, because I think um, it's both a great example of the network in action, the Arden Alumni Network in action, and something that it seems like it's a great place for executive format students to start in terms of building building relationships. So you talked about the alumni mentoring program that, that you have, uh, that you've worked to put in place? Well, there's actually two of them. Oh. Uh, so uh, one, we have, a, we have uh, what we call the uh, Executive MBA Alumni Partner Program. And that's a cadre of about 155 uh, executive MBAs who have volunteered to serve as, res career, as resources uh, for the current students to assist them with any aspect of the uh, career transition process, whether they're just exploring or whether they're in, in the midst of an active job search. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, there's also a parallel organization, uh, the, the, uh, the Military Network Partner Program, mm -hmm. which has 80 individuals. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a uh, you know you just do the math real quickly you're you're pushing uh, 240 250 mm -hmm. uh, folks that have signed up once again just to be resources to the current students. We have two military organizations. We have the Darden Military Association, uh, which is probably mostly mostly students on the full time residential uh, side, and then we also have 
uh, executive format student organization called the Veteran Executive Students Darden, yes. uh, which is uh, which is a relatively new organization, a couple yes. years old at this point, but active. Um, obviously, an important community within a community. Ah, uh, that's correct. That's yeah. correct. Now they're, they're both closely linked and mm-hmm. aligned. They work together. But uh, the I think the executive MBA program saw a need to uh, create a uh, well the transitions for the executive MBA students the military uh, uh, executive MBA students uh, a little more challenging than the the full time the folks coming out of the military that are joining the full time program so different needs uh, they wanted to to create a program that might address that and also speak to the transition challenges they face mm-hmm. which are a bit different than for the residential students. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, you obviously work with a lot of students one-on-one. You have a lot of meetings. You do career programming. Um, what are a few of your best tips um, for someone who's thinking about, all right, I'm coming to get an MBA. I really want to do this uh, job transition thing right. What are what are one to two tips that you would really highlight yeah, for anybody? Yeah. Um, start early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, to your point, assume it will take you longer mm-hmm. than what you think. Um I would uh, recommend that you uh, use the networks mm-hmm. for every aspect of the uh, of the job search process. One of the challenges that the, that the veterans experience is that they, they feel like they can't reach out and talk to anybody until they know who they are and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And and my recommendation is no, you want to reach out to them at every step along the way. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what you want to do, if you really aren't clear about the, the function or industry that you want to belong to, uh, that's a wonderful source of conversation mm-hmm. with, with uh, network connections and with the career career advisors as well. So uh, I would uh, I would encourage you to to stay engaged and to uh, to connect actively with individuals about all the questions that you have and not wait until you think you've got to figure it out before you begin reaching out to anybody. Yeah, it's an interesting idea that those conversations can help you refine what you want to do. Yes. Right. And yeah. I, I think that's you know, you make such a good point because I, I think that's relatable to any alum you talk to is, you know, I I'm thinking about you know, my career, have some background, this is what I've done, right. here's some things that are on my mind. What advice would you have? I mean, I think most people like helping folks who are in that, that particular position. Absolutely. In fact, if you for those individuals that are reluctant to network and then and believe me, there's a lot of them <laughs> out there. I always pose the question, like if if I came to you and you didn't know me but I was referred to you mm-hmm. by someone that you respect or know and I was asking you for thoughts and advice on my uh, career pathway or my job search, would you be willing to spend time with me? And the invariably the answer is, well, of course. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would get a lot of gratification from that. So I say, well, just put yourself in the, the position of the other person. I'm sure they're experiencing and have the exact same sentiments. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're giving them an opportunity to really assist you and and uh, be fulfilled in that. So you don't want to deny them the pleasure. Yeah, and the thing the thing I think oftentimes students will think about is, oh man, just reaching out to somebody. There's a certain trepidation there. Yeah, sure. You know, um, can't stress enough though the the impact of the Darden community being part of of the network and what it means to be a member of this network. I mean, you see it up close and personal in the work that you do. We certainly get to experience it from the admission side. Just the expectation when you're here, someone helped you. You should help someone else. Yes. You should pay it forward, yes. pay it back. All of this is very much ingrained here. Right. Well, you know, uh, once uh, as I said earlier, I, I find the uh, the alumni network to be very warm, very engaging family, uh, eager to, to assist 
um, you sometimes have to, to pursue it a little bit because they are very busy. But uh, almost to a person, they are more than happy to do what they can to help along the, the next generation of students. And and for those individuals that don't have a great deal of experience networking, um, you know, the, uh, the career services department has all sorts of tactical advice and thoughts uh, we can you know, to, to assist you with the mechanics, if you will, to of uh, of actually doing that. From writing, you know, uh, outreach emails to uh, structuring the networking interviews and and what have you. Yeah, that's a that is that's an excellent point because I think for a lot of people, if you're in the military, how you got that next job and the job after that is a little bit different than how it works in in sort of the private private sector. Oh, world. very much so. Yeah, very much so. And so trying to figure out how to fold networking and, uh, you know, some of these tactical considerations and all of this in, um, it's a process. Well, you know, as you climb the ranks in the military, it's a very structured environment. Mm -hmm. You know, you, uh, you have very specific processes, procedures, and, uh, and, uh, and there's a program in place for advancement. Uh, when you're in the private sector, it's, uh, you're transitioning or moving between organizations. They don't. They haven't all talked. They haven't created a universal, uh, you know, climbing or transition structure. So there's a, a fair amount of uncertainty uh, and ambiguity associated with that transition process. And uh, and like I, I would say, you know, career services are here to help you structure that ambiguity and and bound off that uncertainty. Great, create focus about yourself, create focus about your direction, and assist you with all of the mechanics, if you will, of trying to generate or engineer that uh, that transition process. I w that was going to be one of my questions, is how do you get students comfortable with this idea of the sort of ambiguous, kind of unknown, I'm moving in this direction, I came from a world that was pretty certain, now moving in right. a different direction. It sounds like maybe focusing on process, you know, trying to break everything down to manageable chunks. Is that, is that the approach? Oh, very, other yeah, very much so, Brett. You know, the, um, in fact, it, it really is uh, a skill development, you know, in terms of how do, how do you take a completely ambiguous situation, if you will, uh, very un very uncertain uh, one, and 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 bring structure to that. And if you think about the role of management and leadership with an organization, that's precisely what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, they they may be uh, at the senior levels. You've got uh, a great deal of ambiguity and uncertainty in the marketplace. You know, the, the the vagaries and vicissitudes of the changing demands of customers and and whatnot. And how do you make sense of that? How do you bring structure to it? How do you organize around it? And how do you act on it in ways that uh, try to ensure success. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your for your time today. As as is always the case when we sit down, I learned something new. Oh well, delighted to do it, Brett. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Always a pleasure to be here and uh, and share what I can with the uh, with the incoming students. And that was my conversation with Jim Collins, one of the career advisors who support our executive format students. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached by email at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA, at Darden, Virginia, dot edu. And until next time, thanks for listening.